Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Good to see everybody. And I want to welcome uh, everyone again to Community of Hope. Certainly want to welcome uh, all of our guests and uh, all of our attendees and certainly all of our precious partners. And uh, before we get started, just certainly want to say um, what Pastor Trevor said earlier. We're so pumped about uh, how we're even growing in this pandemic. I mean, 38 folks stepping into partnership uh, at Community of Hope, doing all of that virtual. I shared uh, with them uh, this past Wednesday. I, I went on a Zoom meeting with them, uh, did the vows with them. It was such a powerful moment. And another first in our church, I was telling them they ought to get their own shirt of some kind because it's another historical thing that's never happened before. And we even had some folks who came into partnership uh, from out of state, uh, 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 across state lines. So our church is really grow, are really growing in a pandemic and we're so excited about that. Uh, also, Pastor Trevor mentioned to you about St. Luke's and a lot of information to come about that, but that is another thing that we're just really, really excited about. So, hey, I want to encourage you if you can to grab your notes, uh, grab your Bible, uh, grab your Community of Hope app. We are continuing uh, this weekend, the beginning of an important conversation we're having in these two weekends about race. And I want you to notice how I said that. I'm going to say it again. We are continuing the beginning of an important conversation on race, continuing the beginning. That's B-E-G-I-N-N-I-N-G. We're beginning a conversation about race. Uh, that's uh, really important right now in the in the wake of all the unrest that's going on in our nation uh, following the death of George Floyd. And if you I want to say right at the beginning, if you haven't had a chance to do this, I want you to go back, if you will, and listen to last week's uh, message, how we teed this conversation up and uh, also uh, how we had an interview with two of our p- partners, uh, people of color, Kat O'Connor and Lynn's Georges. And just so excited for them, um, repping for Community of Hope in that fashion, did such a great job. And But I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that talk. And I want to say at the beginning of this message, I want you to listen to this whole talk, the whole thing. And so here's the thing I want to say to you. If you don't listen all the way through, you cannot send me an email. You got to listen all the way through uh, if you're going to send me uh, any kind of email, all right? So that's the game, and we're we're watching. So here's the thing: if you send me an email, we're going to know whether you watched uh, the whole service. If you didn't, we're not we're not even going to read it. Okay, I just want to say that up front. Um, also, want to share. I was, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I'm the middle. Many of y'all know I'm the middle of three sons. And, uh, you know, uh, we were very engaged uh, as a family when I was growing up. I mean, uh, both my brothers, a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Uh, we're all very different. And, I mean, we can mix it up pretty good. Even now, still today, I'll call my mom, and when she answers the phone, I'll just apologize to her. Hey, Mom, it's Dale. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Whatever you wanted me to be sorry for. You know, just wherever you need to apply that, you know, and I was thinking about this because um, I was thinking about my dad when I was growing up and my dad was the kind of uh, man, many of y'all know he was a hero of mine and um, you never didn't know where you stood with my father. He would just tell you and he wasn't rude about it. I mean, 
he would just he would just tell you and uh, when I was growing up, my dad would establish boundaries uh, in our home. And, you know, if we were going to go out on Friday night, go to a, a dinner somewhere, if we were going to go over to someone's house, uh, he would bring us all together, my brothers and I, and he would say, this is how it's going to go down when we got it. It was almost like he would prophesy. This is, this is how it's going to go down. These are the rules. This is what's going to happen. And he would tell us, you know, no shenanigans. We're going to stay in the lane. And if we got out of the lane, I don't know if this happened in your house. Here's how it went down in my house. My dad had a look and my dad could, could give you a look. It could be across a table. It could be across a backyard. Uh, it could be across a room if you weren't in our family, you wouldn't see it. You would breeze right by it. But if you were in our family, you would see it. And the look said this, really, if you saw it, it, it was like this. He was saying, you know, I can't really deal with this now. But if uh, when we get home, uh, we're going to deal with it. And I, wanted, I want you to know growing up, that was true every time. I mean, if he needed to deal with something, he would, he would deal with it. And so after he would get through at home with the offending party, my dad would often do this. He would pull us all together as a family. My brothers are going to remember this. And he would say, okay, we're going to have a family powwow. And he would establish some new rules. And he would, he would move us into that conversation. And I was thinking, you know, this week, I, I think this is what we're doing. I think that we are having a family powwow and it's a weird thing to do digitally because, you know, there's a part of me as your founding pastor. I don't want everybody in our business and I want to talk to, to my congregation about some important things. And that's kind of hard to do digitally because everybody sees what's going on. But, um, I think we're in a family powwow and I thought it was important enough for me to to, to step back from vacation. Some of you know I was to be off last week uh, or this week, and uh, my wife and I are going to celebrate our anniversary. And I, I, I saw some stuff happening in our culture, and I thought, you know what? I can't take vacation right now. I'm going to step right in. So I do want to say this just as a side note. This past week does not count. So, like, I don't know who's counting. If anybody's counting, this was not a vacation week for me. But I felt very strongly like I wanted to step uh, into this conversation and invite us into a season uh, and into a moment uh, of learning. I felt it was really important. I learned a long time ago, I had a pastor uh, when I was just starting that spoke into my life, and he, and he just shared some things with me. He was a seasoned vet, so to speak, and I was just beginning, and I'll never forget he said this. He took me aside one time. He said, Dale, I want you to remember as you're beginning your ministry, he said, in fact, right now as I'm thinking about my own life, this is what he said, I know there are two things that, that uh, you don't need that'll never do you any good. And I said, what's that? And he said, you don't ever need a timid doctor. And he said, you don't need a timid preacher. Neither one of them will do you any good. And I want you to know, I want you to know if you're listening, um, that I've tried to live into that value for 32 years. And I might not always get it right. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty confident that I don't always get it right. But I will, I will say this. I've tried to live into that value. And when I have felt the need as your, your senior pastor, your lead pastor, to invite our church into a conversation of learning, uh, I have felt the call of God to do that. This is a moment uh, for us. I know that when this is something that everybody can get behind, 
you know, uh, it, it, and we're all passionate about the same thing. I get a lot of cards and I get a lot of emails and I got to get a lot of notes. But whenever I uh, have to lead us into a conversation where there's a lot of disparity, sometimes in opinion, I want to say to you, I still get cards and I get notes. They're just different. And this is kind of where we're at a little bit in this season. And I want to say, um, but this is important. And whenever I feel the passion, and this was a week where there was a lot of passion. Uh, I've been in a lot of conversations this week. Um, It always tells me that we're on the right track, uh, that we're talking about the right things. And this is a moment, I think, for us uh, when we're doing that. And, and if you'll remember, we began the conversation last week uh, about race, and we framed it out of the Apostle Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. And uh, if you'll remember, and if you want to go back and listen to that, we set it up, and Paul really is talking about how the gospel became the gospel. And he, and he talked about the past and what was in God's heart, uh, you know, in a way that he would reconcile us and he would do what he did in this glorious fashion to make us his own. And when he was setting it up, he talked about the past. And then uh, Paul moves and he talks about the future. And he just reminds us, and I think this is a season right now, we need, we need to be reminded that God's, God's got it. And in the future, his kingdom is going to come to bear. And we learn in the scriptures that there is going to be a moment when all of us are going to bow the knee to Jesus and we're going to proclaim him king of kings and we're going to proclaim him Lord of lords. But then Paul talks about the present. And when he talks about the present, he says this. He says the present is where we as followers of Christ must labor. And this is our work. And and this is what he says to us in that moment, he tells us what our work is. And so for every one of us who self-identifies as a follower of Jesus, he reminds us of our work. And he, and he says that we're to live a life that's worthy of our calling. You know, a moment ago, I mentioned my dad. When I was growing up, my dad would, would tell the boys, the three of us, and, and he would use this phrase every now and again. He would say, this is what lock men do. And I remember when I was 13, I, I remember this. He said, lock men wear deodorant. I remember him telling me that. Uh, I can remember him telling uh, me, you know, lock men brush their teeth. I can remember a moment when he said, you know what, Dale? Lock men always treat women with respect. And I can remember these different things. And in a way, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that part of our work is that we live a life worthy of the calling of God upon our lives. And then he says this, we're to be completely humble, gentle, and patient. And and, and what Paul's reminding us here is that no one gets a pass. This is a calling for all of us. And and in fact, I like this and, and, and framed our conversation around this because I want you to remember here that Paul says, not just that we would be humble, gentle, and patient, but he says this, everyone. He says, be completely humble. Be completely gentle. Be completely patient. It's almost as though Paul is saying, we should be consumed with these values. And then he says this. He says, we should learn to bear 
with one another. And 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 in first glance, if you were with us last week, I shared he really it really means like that we would learn how to tolerate our differences one from another. But Paul doesn't leave us there because you know, as I mentioned last week, if if you've ever been in a relationship in in any any time in your life and you felt like you were just being tolerated, that's actually longstanding, not a great feeling. But Paul moved it past that. And, and, and really what he's trying to communicate is this. We would learn to contend with one another. We would learn to go long. We would learn to not quit. We would, we would keep coming back. And then finally, Paul says this. He says, you know, we would keep the unity of the spirit. We would do whatever we needed to do to continue to keep the unity of the Spirit. And and this is just a reminder, I think, where Paul is saying that these are the rules that are different for us. We're not, we're not talking in moments like this, especially around this important conversation, like that, you know, uh, we're not talking necessarily about sensitivity training at work. Paul is saying for every single one of us who self-identify as followers of Jesus, this is our code of conduct. This is our behavior. And this is what we step into. And so tonight, what I want to do, I want to move the conversation forward just for a few moments. And then uh, I'm going to invite some guests uh, up. And I want to read a passage of scripture uh, tonight that um, is really important. And uh, in this passage of scripture, this is uh, the passage where uh, James is writing, James, half-brother of Jesus. And this is really what the Lord laid on my heart for this part of our conversation. He says, brothers and sisters, he says, take note of this in James chapter one, verse 19. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So therefore get rid of all the moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. And uh, I think that's a really important word for us, especially around this conversation that we're having, uh, that we have stepped into as a church. And um, we began last week, uh, if you were with us, uh, having a moment to do some learning in scripture together. And then I invited some friends of mine really representatives for the larger body in our church uh, who represent our people of color. And I began last week because I wanted uh, really the people of color in our church and in our community to know that I see them and that I hear them and that I grieve with them. And uh, I, I want to say some things here that are important and uh, they're challenging and, uh, but I want us to hear, and I hope that we hear my heart in this. Um, I think really this is a moment for us as a congregation and as a nation and as followers of Jesus to address the subject of race and to address, uh, you know, how this has threaded itself, uh, into, uh, the fabric of our nation. And to just live for a moment uh, in that tension. I think it's even a moment to address where we find it. Systemic abuse for people of color in our nation. And uh, I, I have to tell you in this moment, you know, it's not really like I want to talk about, 
you know, all the different statistics and all these things. I want us to sit in this moment uh, to talk about this. Uh, we've not always done this well as a nation. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it's interesting this past week or two weeks ago, I spoke at Hope University. Many of you were part of that. And I shared a, an interesting illustration, which is from John Wesley. When John Wesley was uh, speaking uh, and wrote, uh, many believe to be a, the final letter that he wrote, he wrote to William Wilberforce, who was uh, trying to stamp out the slave trade in, in uh, Britain. And he writes Wilberforce, and, and this is what he says. He says, I pray that you will not become weary of your well-doing, but that you will go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And then he says this, y'all. He says, till even American slavery, which is the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall vanish away before us. And uh, I, I think in this moment, this is an opportunity for us to, to sit and listen with one another around this conversation. It was kind of interesting. Uh, last week, really, so everybody knows my heart, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to have some of the people of color in our church just share their experience. And I appreciated so much this week the response, the positive response I got from that, appreciative of of Kat and Lynn's just sharing their experience. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I wasn't saying in that moment, this is the only way that, you know, injustice has represented itself. This isn't the only form of it. I didn't want to, I knew we were not going to solve the problem in 20 minutes. In fact, uh, I had some folks that, you know, uh, reached out to me and said, you know, we should have, we should have had different groups on the stage. And, and it almost sounded like, you know, so that we could be like the, what we see on the news, we could all just have this, fierce, you know, interchange with one another for 30 minutes or so and then leave and somehow feel like we'd done some great thing. I didn't really want to do that. What I wanted to do was just have us sit and listen to their experience and just, and just take a moment and think about it. And I I think this is really, really an important um, thing. Um, This is a moment where there's such disharmony in our nation and there's such struggle in our nation really to even try to have an honest and important conversation. So my goal really was to just slow the RPMs down, invite some people to speak. And it was powerful. And I'm hoping if you haven't seen it, you'll, you'll, you'll go and witness this. And here's what I want to say, and I pray that you listen to me very, very carefully. And here's the goal. This is my challenge. Stay with me all the way to the end, right? Just, just don't tune out. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a rhetoric, there's an exchange right now in our culture, uh, you know, about, about the value of people of color. And, and we want to speak to the intrinsic value of our people of color. We want to say we're all created in the image of God. We want to say, even in that regard, listen to me very carefully. We want to say, of course, black lives matter. Of course they do. Every, every life matters. But right now we live in a culture where, where, where if, if we say that, now that means we would have to endorse all the tenants of an organization that has come together with that name. And I, I need, I need to say very clearly, and this is where in those moments it feels like, 
there's there's potential to you know offend people on both sides. I can't embrace the tenets of that organization, and I don't. I've read it. I don't embrace that. But I want to talk about our value of people created in the image of God. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to have a conversation where we began with what is most represented right now in our culture, which is about people of color and about police officers. And so one of the things that I'm really, really excited about is to be able to step out of the rhetoric of our culture. And I was thinking about this, you know, there's a verse of scripture where Paul is writing in Ephesians six and he says, you know, really the, 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 the wars and the struggles, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. And I think right now where the enemy is really working is because we, we have created this place where we have these double jeopardies right now in our culture where we can't say anything because, you know, something has been co-opted to mean something else. And I tell you what, I want everybody to understand this is, this is the work of the enemy. So what I wanted to do was slow the RPMs down, have us take a moment and listen to really good people just share their experience. And, and this weekend, I'm really pumped and really excited to have uh, two folks who are representing uh, in this other uh, part of our dynamic, uh, police officers who we love and support and care for. And so uh, that contingent's very strong in our church. We care for them. And I'm going to invite uh, into the room, I'm going to invite Jeff O'Meara and Chad Shane. And I know wherever you are right now, if you would welcome them, uh, Guys, praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, guys. I want to say uh, also to you how grateful I am uh, for your willingness to come and to really represent, you know, um, you're here really as as officers, but you're also here as uh, people who are committed to the Lord and committed to our church. And I'm just grateful that we can have this conversation, too, because as I just shared, this is part of the dynamic right now. This is where this conversation around racism is presenting itself. And so as a pastor, I see our moment uh, really to have this conversation, uh, not really as an us, them, but really just to invite people into worlds that many of us are not familiar with. I mean, if you're not a person of color, you don't, you might not live with some of the tensions that we heard experienced or or shared last weekend, and if and if you don't serve as an officer, we don't have an understanding of what you guys uh, experience. And so, on behalf of who you're representing, you know, in our church and who you're representing in our community, I just want to I want to welcome you guys to the stage. And I, I, I guess I want to begin uh, just really by by asking you in this space. I mean, because we're here, right? Because of what happened. Uh, in Minneapolis. And, you know, I, I know that you guys probably have some feelings about that. Chad, I mean, what would you, what would you say about that? I mean, this is where we find ourselves right now. Yeah, completely uh, opposed to what I saw. It was very troubling. My whole, my whole family's aching over it. It's bled into um, emotions throughout our small group. Everybody's just yeah. mourning that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, you feel that I know the same way? Yeah, I definitely don't condone what happened. Right. out there um it's it's tough it's a tough situation to even watch yeah from our point of view and it's uh it's really disheartening 
yeah. to, to see that happen to somebody. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a lot of uh, folks who serve in our church who are uh, police officers who are doing a fantastic job in our community reach out to me when that happened. And they said, you know, that that was wrong. And we're not trained in that fashion. That should have never, you know, taken place. Right. And, you know, and I think that, you know, I think we all agree that that became really the spark that that brings us, you know, into this moment. And so, you know, I just wanted to take the opportunity. I, I, I thought, I, you know, for me, I put on my thinking cap and I thought, okay, so I have this moment with you guys. I, I just want to ask, given all that's going on right now, I mean, you know, Chad, let me go back to you. I mean, why did you want to be an officer in the first place? What, what, what led you to that? What, what made you feel like that was your calling? Where I grew up, there was, there was quite a bit of crime where I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, um, when I would see police officers, I just, I was, ever since I was a little boy, they just looked like superheroes to me. Yeah. Like they, they, they looked like they represented good. Yeah. And, and I wanted to, I wanted to step into that myself ever since I was a little kid. So even, so like, I mean, really, so that, that image, that thought captured your mind and you've, you've never really strayed from that. Yeah, I was about four years old. The first time yeah. I remember in a mall and I, I was mesmerized. I said, what is that? I want to be that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I commend that because so many of us, we start there, but we end up doing, you know, doing something else. So you, you've carried it out. Jeff, how about for you? I mean, it was actually my dad. My dad was a New York city police officer. Wow for years. And, um, he retired early, but he was a police officer. My uncle was a police officer and, um, it's something just what I wanted to do. It was just a, first of all, I thought it was really cool to be a cop. You know, I was like, this is neat, but it was just being able to be out there and make a difference in something and to to give everything that I had and just watching him come home and all the stories he would tell and the, 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 the fun stuff that you did with everybody. It was just good. It was just great. That's what I wanted to do. That's awesome. So let me ask you you guys this question, uh, and I'll just I'll just go here and we'll go back to chat. I mean, so here we are in this moment. What it, what does it feel like for you? Help help us get in on what it feels like to be an officer right now. Now it's 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 difficult. It is. Does it feel um, more difficult than it's ever been? I, I don't I don't think it does. Okay. To be honest with you, I don't think it feels any differently. Um, it just you have to be a little bit more cautious nowadays. Okay. And to, you still have to maintain a level of professionalism, whichever way you look at it. And you still have to remember that you have a job to do. I think we both have a job to do. And to be able to um, continue and not take things so personal. Okay. And to be out there and to assist, because sometimes you say one thing to one person now, even now. Right. That always brings someone into perspective and you can able to help them by using one word. That's all it takes. Right. And that's how it, it really is. Right. It's pretty amazing when it happens. Yeah. Um, Chad, do you, does, does it feel different to you right now in this season? And if so, how? Yes. For various factors, I have children now that are competent to some of the things that are going on. Yeah. I've never had that before. 14 years into law enforcement. Um, I was never so aware of certain tensions, but it does seem that it's more tense now than ever. Yeah. And some of that aspect I would believe is just because of the uh, real time social media and the way that we can share different things. Yeah. 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 I, I was sharing with another friend of mine who's an officer this week and, and, um, he was, uh, I shared with us a little earlier, so I'll clue, clue the congregation and I have a, 
a friend of mine who was grew up in our church. He was, I, I called him, he was first youth that we ever had in our church. And, and he is serving as an officer in our state. Uh, shout out to Mike. And uh, Mike uh, texts me and he, first of all, he thanked me because he heard we were going to do this. And he said, you know, he said, man, uh, there's a lot of conversation right now about race. And he said, I'm just grateful that you would be willing you know, to eat, to, to talk to officers and get their point of view. And in fact, what I love this week is when I was talking with folks in our church, uh, you know, uh, I had a lot of, uh, persons of color in our church reach out to me and say, Are, you're going to talk to the officers this week, right? You know, remind them that we love them and that we care for them. And, and that's a good thing. But Mike was sharing with me that he said, you know, he, he's got girls, little girls. And he said, they, they are uniquely aware right now because they're seeing all this. And I mean, I, you know, like, what do you, what do you say, Chad? I mean, what do you, what are you saying to the kids? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, one of my son, one of my boys came up to me and he said, uh, daddy, they're stabbing policemen now. Yeah. And, um, I get to experience his fear for my safety. Right. I feel very, very, um, confident about my abilities, but I was able to experience the, uh, the high level of threat based off of my son's very innocent, you know, his innocence being depleted a little bit in that area. And uh, it challenges them when I get, I'm in a capacity where there's call outs. And so my phone rings, I can already see it's challenging him. And he says, do you have to go? Uh, no, son, it's just my buddy. And then the relief. And that's caused me the, the greatest grief is seeing how it's affecting my little, my little vulnerable boys. I know, Jeff, you and I've talked about that. And I mean, you know, um, so what I remember about you, you know, I remember that you were a first responder to what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I will never forget our conversation mm -hmm. around that. And, you know, I, I just think there's such a, a powerful thing about uh, your continued willingness uh, to do the right thing, uh, and to be, uh, you know, out in front in our community, uh, when we have this rhetoric that's going off in the background and, and it's going to pale in comparison what I say, but, you know, I, in terms of experience, but, you know, we, we just, again, the, the polarity that we see right now in our culture, the idea both of you guys have talked to me and other officers in our church have talked to me about, you know, when you, when you see one person do wrong and how everybody gets labeled as a result of that, I, I carry a little bit of that as an off, uh, as a clergy, as a pastor. Sure. And, you know, but as a, I had a friend who reminded me this week, you know, but with all respect, he said, you know, but your life's not in danger when, you know, when that happens. And so these are, these are, these are important moments. These are important uh, times. And you guys are acknowledging that it would feel different right now because, um, you know, if you ever, do you ever feel with this tension that you, you feel like you wish you'd, you hadn't done it? No, 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 no. This is, this is probably, this is the best job to ever have. It really is. Okay. It's dangerous. Yes. Um, we see a lot of things that no one else sees. Um, but to be around so many different people at so many different times, just you meet so many different people from different aspects of life. And it really, uh, it, it puts a lot of pleasure, I think, in my heart 
that even if someone is doing something they're not supposed to do, they're reaching out for something sometimes. But this is the best job that you can have. It really is. It, it is uh, it's scary to say it's not is an understatement. Have I had situations where I, my life has been almost taken? Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. But I come home and it really is an amazing, amazing job with an amazing bunch of people that I work with. Yeah. Yeah. Can't beat it. Yeah. Chad, what would you add to that, brother? I'm very proud to be a police officer. Very proud. I stand in between those that call for help, that call for assistance, and they have a very critical situation. And within the, the vast capacities that I've served with in law enforcement, it's typically very serious in nature, and I get to stand in the gap for them. And it, it really does feel like, for me, it feels like God's work. Yeah. I get to be their keeper. I get to protect them. I get to give them a say. I get to help intervene. It's been interesting because when I've talked to folks in our community, went, that's one of the privileges when you've been here a long time, you can have these conversations, you know, and uh, it's, it's somewhat the universal part of the conversation that I've had with every officer that I've had been able to have a conversation with is, you know, that you guys are still getting up every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you are uh, going about your work. Uh, you know, you're going to carry out the vows that, you know, are a part of your call. Uh, and for those who are Christ followers, there's, you know, that whole space. And uh, you're trying to tone down, you know, what, what you're hearing right now that is so loud, you know. And we just really honor that. I, I, I would want to ask you guys, you know, this question so what would you want us to know about, about police officers? I mean, right now, part of my struggle, and I'm going to name this if I get emails for it, it's um, send them to Trevor. But here's what I would say to you. Um, you know, I, there's all this rhetoric that's going on right now in our culture about all this kind of stuff. And, and yet I, I, I just feel like, you know, what you guys are doing is so important. This, this idea we're seeing right now, you know, I, I read it earlier this week, def, the defunding of police and, and, you know, people want to explain what that means. It's just, it's just like nonsense to me. And, and I just, I want to say, you know, what would you want to say to us to help us understand right now? Um, the media is just, it, it's just, it's hurting our culture. It just is. And I'm going to name that. And, and I want to say, so if we could turn that down, what, what would you say to, what would you want us to know about what you guys do chat? I mean, what would you, what would you want us to know about the people you work with? You know? Well, we're members of your community. Now we look like you, we represent you. We're your brothers and in some cases, your fathers and your sons and your daughters. And um, we come out of our shared community, and we put, prior to that, prior to departing our residence, we put our our vest on to make sure that we're protected from what could happen. Several of us have been in shootings. We've got our firearm and our badge, and uh, we have our virtues. And uh, we go out there willingly, ready to respond to whoever calls. 
I don't know who's going to call. I respond to those who I don't know, willing to give my life and take a life if necessary. Give my kids a kiss, my wife a kiss, and depart my home and protect other communities that I don't reside in with the same behavior as though I would protect my own children and my wife. Powerful, powerful. Jeff? Um, Just give you, if it's it's okay, I want to give you a quick situation that happened last week. Um, Someone called me a very bad name. I was talking to people at a store. Why'd they do that? Because of the situation today, of what's going on right okay. now. Okay. I mean, but how they know? I mean, because you yeah, in uniform. In, yeah, you're in uniform. I'm in uniform. Got it. Got so it. he calls me a bad name. And I said, Excuse me? I'm what? Says it again. I said, And why is that? Why am I that person? Explain that to me. He says, Because you're a cop. I said, no, 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 hold on a minute now. I work as a police officer, but I'm a man and I'm a human being. It's different. I said, That's not me. And the person I was standing with was an older black lady, and she turns to him and says, mm-hmm, he got you on that one. And it was over. He felt a lot of egg on his face. He doesn't know me. He doesn't. And I will respond to anything, to anybody. It matters not who you, what you do. I will be there at all times. I'll take you, like you said, we've taken people in prison before, put them in jail. Yep. You get out, you need me, I will be there no matter what. It matters not. Yeah. And you have to forge a relationship with them. Yeah. And that's how it works. And today the rhetoric in the media is taking us and vilifying us yeah. at to these, to, to like we're doing something. Yeah. There's a lot of bad people out there. Yeah. And there's some bad police officers and they need to be handled yeah. correctly. Yeah. As is everybody else. And, and to, to lump me and lump other people that yeah. I know yeah. in that is just, it's just wrong. I, I so appreciate what you, both of you have said it's very powerful. And, you know, I don't think any one of us, right, none of us want to be labeled mm-hmm. uh, as a group because of the actions of one person. Right. No, nobody wants to do that. In fact, that's that's kind of what we're talking about right now. Right? Absolutely. It's like really live in the room. And uh, I, I want to ask before I stop, I just got to ask this question. I mean, so knowing what you know right now, okay, Chad, would you do it again? Absolutely. You'd do it again. Wouldn't For even sure. think about it? This is my calling. Great. I'd also say if there was ever time to be a police officer, it would be right now. This can be the time where you can really make the change. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Jeff? We talked about it. And yeah. I have my thoughts, but yeah, like I said, it's the best profession out there. Okay. Even better than firefighters. Okay. <laughs> uh, so again, if you don't like that, you're going to send that to Trevor. <laughs> Trevor gets that note. Hey, um, here's what I want to say to both of you. Um, we honor you. Like I said to Linz and Kat last week, we honor you. We honor your story. We're grateful for you. We're praying for you. We're so thankful for what you're doing. And I, I just think all of us would say in our church, um, man, if, 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 you know, if every police officer could represent what you guys are representing here, this would yeah. be a great thing. And I'm, I'm just, we're grateful for what you do. And that you'd even be willing to step into this moment because you're representing a lot of people who are in our church who we love and support. And uh, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to close our time together. Can join me from wherever you are. Lord, I'm grateful for Jeff and for Chad and their families and their and and their families' willingness to allow 
them with their blessing for these men to carry out their calling. And I take this moment, God, to really pray for all of the officers in our fellowship and in our community and our world that are that are doing the good work, that are representing the values and the virtues that have been spoken about on this stage. Uh, God, would you give uh, greater resources by the power of your spirit for us to resist uh, what we so often see portrayed in our culture, on our social media sites, in our media that doesn't represent the whole story uh, around this, like what we're talking about right now, this story. Uh, men of valor, men of character and honor, women of valor, women of character and honor, serving in this way, God. And I pray that our church might grow to places of greater understanding, greater ability to listen to one another, not pontificate, but to learn from one another so that, Lord, we could be a part of the solution as we strive as a church family to love the 561. This we pray in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord. Amen. I want to say before we close out our service again, two important things. If you are wanting to navigate a relationship with Jesus Christ, we hope you'll take a moment and text next to the number on that screen. We would love to get some information to you about how to become a follower of Jesus, uh, how to grow in your faith. I want to say too, again, as a next step, we are keeping before you the opportunity to be a part of what we're calling our uh, Be the Bridge groups. We've already had one informational meeting. There's an opportunity uh, in the future for you to be a part of an informational meeting that will uh, create a space for us to have the appropriate uh, and substantive conversations in our church about race. Again, this was my goal wasn't to have deeply substantive conversations in this space, but for us to first step in, learn to listen to one another. But we're encouraging people to be a part of that. Please reach out, be a part of those groups. You're going to want to do that. It's going to help our community. It's going to help our church family. Until next weekend, when we see you again, God bless you. Go in his grace. Go in his peace. We'll see you then. Amen.